Welcome in, everyone, to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and also the daily host of Southern Fried Sports Radio, which you can catch, of course, in Tuscaloosa, 11 to noon weekdays at 100.9 FM. You can get the Talking Tide podcast at our web host, that's at podbean.com. Also, several apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you want to follow us on the Twitter feed, that's talking underscore tide. Uh, we will always, of course, uh, get our podcast links up links up quickest right there on the Twitter feed. Again, that's talking underscore tide. And this edition of the Talking Tide podcast uh, kind of turns back to football. Uh, last time we convened, it was closing out that outstanding basketball season, and Nate Oates has managed to to stay in the news a little bit, actually, on the uh, on the transfer slash recruiting front here in the last week or so. Uh, but a day front and center certainly for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. And Travis, just to just to reset it, it'll be a noon kickoff on Saturday, five dollars a pop, which of course is going to be unusual for longtime a day goers. Capacity is going to be 50%, so just a little north of 50,000 if Alabama fans pack it in. Uh, face masks required. State mandate gone. A-Day mandate still there. Face masks if you want to go to the A-Day game. Uh, but uh, first A-Day game in two years, Travis, because obviously last year uh, canceled by COVID-19. So a lot of people who uh, look at this date on the calendar almost like a holiday I've got to be looking forward to it more than usual. Yeah, it almost feels like it's multiple A-Days and even a championship celebration sort of condensed into one day because you're going to celebrate those 2020 national champions post-scrimmage. You're also going to have Devontae Smith honored with his Heisman Trophy there at halftime of the A-Day game. So making a lot of things happen, uh, especially, again, when you consider that uh, we did skip a year in 2020, but I know a lot of folks fired up. You've got some college baseball on campus, Alabama-Auburn on the diamond. you got Alabama-Florida softball. So if you're coming to town, not just the football, but obviously uh, the Crimson Tide with Nick Saban on the football field will be front and center. No doubt about it. That Walk of Fame ceremony has got a little catching up to do, right? I think they're going to have seven guys there. Uh, including 2019 captains, Anthony Jennings, uh, Xavier McKinney, Tua Tungvaloa. Uh, I haven't heard if all three will be in attendance. I assume they will, but uh, a lot of work to be done in that wet cement over there by Denny Chimes. Yeah, and it's amazing. And you take the walk around the quad, and, you know, there's a lot of cool things that commemorate University of Alabama football and the storied tradition that we know this place is home to, but I don't know if any of them, and I'm including the Bryant Museum, which is fantastic. And if you've never made that trip or that visit over there off Bryant Drive, you absolutely need to do it. But just the names in the concrete uh, going back as many years as they do, uh, just legendary. It really puts it front and center to you when you just see the names right there. And so, uh, going to add a few more, a few more, uh, uh, several more, as you pointed out of, uh, note here on uh, yeah. Saturday. Yeah. The 2020 captains, Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood, Devonte Smith, Mac Jones. So along with the 2019 guys, I think it's seven in all, 
that uh, they'll be uh, looking to add some imprints on for sure. To the game, though, Travis, uh, uh, one of the themes, one of the things people will be watching for, certainly Bryce Young, uh, who's expected to take over at quarterback this fall for the Crimson Tide. Scrimmages have been closed. Information probably a little harder to come by than normal, although those those sparrows and jaybirds at the scrimmages tend to talk still, Travis. Uh, even <laughs> they uh, sing, they sing <laughs> from time to time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, they mm-hmm. do. Uh, but uh, Bryce Young definitely one to watch for. But behind a patchwork offensive line uh, that's going to be missing Emil Ekior, who's been out for the spring, obviously. Uh, with an injury. Evan Neal came out of the second scrimmage. I, I'm not sure if he goes. Uh, and, of course, they're already replacing Leatherwood and Dickerson. And Nick Saban kind of pointed this out in his most recent press conference that the the matchup between the first defense and the front seven versus uh, what the first-team offensive line can put out there right now uh, seems to be a little bit of a mismatch. Uh, doesn't maybe doesn't bode well uh, for, for Bryce Young in terms of having people in his face. Yeah, really, any of the quarterbacks, uh, the the preference on Saturday, and it sounds like even in a lot of the scrimmage work, is get the ball out efficiently and on time and quickly because it has been a, a situation, as you might expect, where that pass rush and that defense in general has been ahead of things. And, uh, not just when you consider the injury situation. Uh, when you look at what this offensive line is sort of trying to work through right now, especially as you move through last Saturday scrimmage and Evan Neal goes out, Javion Cohen's got an issue. Uh, you already at without Emil Ekior, that's on top of everything you knew you were losing from the 2020 offense. So uh, baptism by fire, I think, for some of the new first teamers. But yeah, you are still hearing enough positive things, especially where Bryce Young is concerned to think that even with the the pressure, even with the adversity that that offense is working with right now in relation to the defense that it's going against, it sounds like his mindset and his mental makeup has held up pretty good. That's what I've taken away from a couple of the comments chase that Nick Saban has made about Bryce Young. You know he can make the throws. You know he's a a dynamic, twitchy type athlete uh, who can also get it done from the pocket. What you don't know about a guy is until you put him in a situation where it's not optimal. You know, how is he going to handle that? And I understand it's been some ones versus twos. So, you know, he hasn't even maybe seen as much of the first team defense as maybe Paul Tyson has. But it's still been enough of a challenge that it sounds like he's weathered that uh, and just kept right on along, kept right on plugging, and uh, is in a good place in terms of being next man up behind center. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, I think, and also worth noting, I think John Mechie out for the spring. So presumably, mm-hmm. you, know, you got to think at this point that Mechie and Billingsley are going to be Young's top two targets. No reason not to think that. Uh, at this point, uh, and Mechie's been out all spring. So that that's going to be tough on uh, not just Young, like you said, but all the quarterbacks. What about the backup quarterback battle, Travis? Your thoughts, uh, Jalen Milrow, Paul Tyson. Uh, how important is this spring game for 
those two and uh, whatever competition might exist for the number two quarterback job. Yeah, that was interesting coming out of last Saturday because you did hear some positive things about Jalen Milrow. Sounded like he got his legs involved and, you know, you sort of expect that for a young quarterback, especially if that is an attribute that he possesses. And, you know, you think about protection issues and going against the first team defense and how skill sets at the quarterback position sort of align with that. Paul Tyson's a pocket guy, Chase. And if you're trying to deal with guys like Christopher Allen and Will Anderson on the edges and, you know, you're a, a pretty much a pocket guy. Um, that makes the challenge even greater for a guy like Paul Tyson. So uh, it's been tough, uh, you know, for for the offense in general. But uh, it sounds like it's it's been an exceptionally difficult uh, hill to climb for Paul Tyson. Although I hear that kind of like Bryce Young, you know, he stood in there and he he's delivered as best he can. It's just that right now the sort of differential between offense and defense is is pretty steep. One guy who's gotten a lot of positive uh, chatter, I guess, throughout spring practice, really, who I think is maybe one to watch in this spring game, Cameron Latu at the tight end position. Of course, uh, Billingsley, the tight end, who's uh, going to go into the 2021 season with the highest expectations, really stepped up for Alabama, particularly late in the season last year with no Jalen Waddle on the field. And he's the stretch guy. He's the flex guy, the slot guy. Uh, Cameron Latu, 6'5", 250 pounds. But apparently he's not only been blocking well, but has been catching some passes too. A couple of touchdowns in scrimmage work, Travis. Um, your thoughts on what he could bring potentially to this offense? And do you see him as as a pure Y uh, at his size, a hand-on-the-ground guy who, who Nick Saban can maybe – Uh, lean on in the early downs and perhaps throw to in some play action? Uh, Or uh, do you see him as somebody who can flex out just like Billingsley? You know, what's going to be interesting is that, yes, to answer your initial part of that question, you look at Latou and you think more of an inline guy, more of that traditional uh, tight end position. Uh, But one of the benefits they had last year of Forrestal and Billingsley and you saw this later in the season and into the playoff was that they were able to get both those guys outside and do some things, especially as blockers in space. We think about Billingsley and we think about this sort of new era tight end, right? We think about getting them flexed out, maybe even getting them split out. And that equates to the passing game to those guys as receivers. Well, what Alabama likes to do with that quick passing game puts these guys on the clock as blockers in space. And when you're 6'5", 250, and you're trying to get that one-on-one block taken care of against a maybe an outside linebacker, maybe a safety, um, that's not an easy thing to do. And so that's a big part of it, too. And I, I don't think this offense is going to just allow, you know, one of those guys to be take one of these guys off the hook from that regard. I, I don't think it's a question of, you know, can you do it? They're going to ask you to do it. And so that'll be something to keep an eye on with Latou as well. I, again, I, I do agree. I do think that, you know, when you look at him, you think more of uh, in line, why? Uh, but I, I think there's going to be carryover in terms of what they ask 
those guys to do in addition to Jalil Billingsley, who you know can do that. The Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Catch us on the Twitter feed. That's talking underscore Tide. Uh, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly before we move on in the program. And I'm going to start out talking about North River Dental Associates and former Alabama football player Jack Smalley uh, with his outstanding professional staff of dental hygienists. They can do every kind of dental work under the sun over there. Get yourself in there. Get your family in there. Get your twice yearly routine cleanings from North River Dental Associates. It's absolutely the place to go. It's the most painless experience you could ever hope for in a dentist chair, and they do it all. Porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, the teeth whitening services that are so popular, endodontics, uh, oral surgery. If you got some more serious issues, uh, they can do it all over there at North River Dental Associates. If you want to make an appointment, just go to NorthRiverDentist.com. Or you can give them a call at 752-3506. Routine cleanings done typically in under an hour. That includes your weight. Get you in and out of there really fast on those. And, of course, it's conveniently located right off of McFarland Boulevard. You make that right-hand turn on Watermelon Road as you go toward uh, Northport. And it's right there uh, in Fairfax Park beside West Alabama Pediatrics. Once again, it's North River Dental Associates. Also in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa sits Southern Ale House at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Chase Goodbread and myself enjoyed a little lunch over there at SAH a couple of days ago. And I thought, Goodbread, what we went with collectively was a great illustration of the options that you can find for yourself there. At Southern Ale House. Chase Goodbread went with that meatloaf. He's kind of partial to the ma meatloaf. Fork. Love it. Yeah. Goodbread loves it. It looked great. Uh, it's bacon wrapped. It's got that tomato jam on top. Ooh, it's outstanding. Great meatloaf. Great sides as well. Kind of the secret weapon, I think. I'm ready for you to start promoting those two-ounce whiskey pours. Ah, yes, they do have those. Standard, by the way. When they put it on the wall that all whiskey drinks are two-ounce pours, you know it's it's standard. That's standard at Southern Ale House. They do have those two-ounce whiskey pours. And also that Yardbird chicken sandwich. That's what I had at our lunch. Uh, And again, those those, uh, from-scratch sides that they do, they do a side of the day. And on Tuesday, they had the bacon ranch scalloped potatoes. Goodbread even had to get a bite of those. They were out of this world. Outstanding. Always great stuff there at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. I was also in there in the last couple of nights and i had of course that thai chicken pizza that's the personal favorite but you're not going to go wrong we had that youngest daughter of ours with us she just likes a classic cheese pizza they can do that for you too you can do the exclusive pies that they have there at heat pizza bar you can keep it really basic and we talk about secret weapons for me anyway at heat pizza bar those salads i got the ginger salad to go along with that Thai chicken pizza, with that house-made ginger dressing. Always fresh ingredients, always exceptionally executed. 
Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, Government Plaza. Cockatide Podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Travis Ryer and Chase Gridbread with you for a few more minutes. Talking a little bit more A-Day, maybe touch on some basketball too uh, before we get out of here. But Travis, another theme I think certainly uh, for A-Day, the running back situation. Alabama losing Najee Harris. Uh, Brian Robinson, of course, the uh, longtime number two man in this offense at that running back position looks to be an opportunity for him uh, to kind of take things over. Uh, But some really impressive depth behind him for sure. Roydell Williams apparently leading Alabama in rushing yards for the second scrimmage. Lots of uh, talent downstream, uh, I guess, at that position. Travis, when you hear Nick Saban, more or less acknowledge that they're set at running back. And he's done it at least twice uh, during spring practice. He basically said, look, we're fine there. Um, Do you see that more as Nick Saban feeling totally confident that Brian Robinson can take the torch and be the lead horse? Or do you see that more as Saban talking about the overall picture that, that includes some depth? I think he's looking at the big picture. I think he's looking at the running back position in terms of the way he viewed it, say, 2016 through 2018. You know, I would say in those three years when you had Damian Harris and you had Josh Jacobs and you had Bo Scarborough and you had Najee Harris, you could look at that spot and say, you know what? We're in pretty good shape, which if that's the way he is viewing it, That tells you what he thinks about the way they've been able to recruit here in the last couple of years, because you do have the veteran at the top of the depth chart in Brian Robinson. Is he a 20 carry per game guy? I'm not sure about that just yet, but I don't think it's a big concern either way, because if you do mix in Jace McClellan, you do mix in Keelan Robinson. Perhaps you get something out of Kamar Wheaton as a true freshman. Roydell Williams sent you a, don't forget about me message, apparently, in the scrimmage last Saturday. Uh, Kyle Edwards, another member of those running backs that Alabama signed a couple of classes ago, uh, had a touchdown in the scrimmage. And by the way, Trey Sanders still trying to get back at full strength. So both in numbers and in terms of talent and also variety, different guys that bring some different things to the table. Yeah, I could totally see why Nick Saban feels really comfortable with what he's got right now in the uh, heading into the post Najee Harris era. Brian Robinson, uh, as, as noted, has gotten a a lot of carries uh, for Alabama, never has been the lead guy, of course, with Najee Harris's presence over the last few years, Brian Robinson kind of looked at as a grinder, a pounder, a a guy that you give the ball between the tackles to Travis. Um, And I think he's developed into a pretty reliable blocker as well haven't seen Alabama throw him the ball a whole lot do you see Brian Robinson getting more involved in the passing game in 21 and 21 or uh, do you think maybe they involve uh, the number two man the number three man some of these other guys you mentioned uh, as kind of that third down uh, check down option you know I I think Brian Robinson uh, will have a place in the passing game. I'm not sure if it might not be more so even in pass protection. I think that's the greatest comfort you have in Brian Robinson 
being one of those guys going into the season is because he absolutely understands what's expected of him in that area of the game, uh, in that area of the position. But I think he can catch it just fine. Uh, is he going to hurdle guys out in the flat like Najee Harris? Probably not. But he also might punish some people out in the flat as well, as we know. Very physical in his approach. Um, but you also have to figure with all the production that's leaving at wide receiver, you're probably going to need some revenue streams in the receiving aspect of the passing game where the running back position is concerned. And, you know, I think they have some some guys that can turn some easy touches into explosive plays. Keelan Robinson, again, comes to mind for me. Uh, Jace McClellan, of all their backs, when you consider measurables, st- uh, size, skill set, uh, a lot of intrigue there with him in his second year as a, a potential every down back uh, in this offense. So, I, I do think Brian Robinson will be asked to pick up some of that slack as a receiver. Uh, I, I think what gives him an edge over the other younger guys right now, as you know, is that on third and eight, you're going to trust him. If his first check is the blitz, right? He's going to check that and he's either going to pick up a blitzing linebacker or he's then going to release into an area of the, the route tree that is going to make him a viable option as a receiver. What you worry about with some of these younger backs is maybe they miss the, the ID on the blitz, you know, and they think, Oh, I'm going to swing it out to the flat because they think they don't have anybody to pick up. And then they do. And, you know, those are the things that I think probably worry you uh, as an offensive coordinator or position coach, right? Uh, when you think about that position in relation to the passing game. Pass pro is what they call non-negotiable uh, for for Alabama running backs coaches. No question about it. All right, uh, we'll move away from the A-Day game, but Al- uh, Travis and I will certainly be back post-A-Day kind of recapping uh, the uh, whole scene over there at Bryant-Denny Stadium. So look for that podcast coming at you at some point next week. Uh, before we get out of here, Travis, though, a couple things to – Hit on, I guess, really quickly, uh, basketball-wise, Nate Oates gets a grad transfer from Noah Gurley, a 6'8 forward out of Furman, averaged 15-6 and six last year. Also has been uh, getting it done on the recruiting trail, kind of post-Sweet 16. So uh, uh, making some noise for sure and, and uh, uh, maneuvering things for that 2021-22 roster. He really is. He doesn't stand still over there. Nate Oates, and really that entire staff, Ryan Hodgson, Antoine Petway, uh, prolific and also uh, thorough, I'd say, on the recruiting trail. And I think it's partially due to the the success they've had on the court, especially since the turn of the new year and the run that they had and SEC play. And, you know, some of these guys, they've had the opportunity to see up close and in person. Noah Gurley certainly fits that bill. Alabama, each of the last two seasons in non-conference play, went against Gurley in the Furman Purple Paladins. So uh, it's a great situation right now. I think you heard Nate talk about that on Wednesday afternoon, said it's a good problem to have when you're trying to figure out numbers with your roster. And we've seen some of that here in the last couple of days because Langston Wilson was uh, considered to be a a part of the program moving forward from the junior college ranks. Well, 
Uh, he has requested a release from his national letter of intent, and it looks like he won't be a part of the 2021-2022 Alabama men's basketball team. But again, uh, really, when you look at the the guys that they're bringing in from the transfer portal, Namari Burnett, also a part of that from Texas Tech, uh, you know, it, it sounds crazy because you're losing a, uh, a fan favorite, an outstanding couple of players, and Herb Jones and John Petty. But uh, it could be that that ultimately this roster is is improved actually over what we saw uh, from this previous season. Now, intangibly, you know, that's where you don't know because Herb meant so much to this program from that perspective. In addition to you know what he was able to get done on the court itself, so you know, we won't go that far just yet, but. I think it's going to be at least up for debate as we get into the upcoming season. Big picture-wise in college sports, Travis, one of the big pieces of news to come out this week, the one-time transfer waiver from the NCAA uh, has been approved. So what this means now is that uh, players can transfer uh, no longer having to sit out a year. Uh, However, Intra-conference transfers still, of course, have to be approved conference by conference if they're going to go with this uh, and and allow uh, these transfers to to go down without the sit-out year that, of course, has been a part of college sports for as long as we can remember. So far, Travis, the ACC, the AAC, the Mid-American Conference, and I think today the Big 12 as well have announced that they are doing away with transfer restrictions uh, on transfers within the conference. So they're going to embrace this uh, one-time uh, transfer rule with no sit-out. I guess if you transfer a second time, then you're subject to a sit-out perhaps. But I'm thinking, Travis, that the SEC is going to be last to get on this train. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think we may have a stare down between the Big Ten and the SEC again when it comes to uh, being one of those last dominoes to fall. But the expectation is that uh, that it will happen. You know, I know Scott Strickland, the AD at Florida, recently was on record as saying that you know, he will approve for the uh, approve of the intra-conference rule at the in the SEC going away. So. That seems to be the sentiment, but you're right. You know, I, I, I don't think it's a surprise that, you know, to this point, we haven't heard from the SEC in that regard. When Nick Saban's asked about this rule, he, he, he's going to be answering with, with teeth clenched, I think. <laughs> it, might be, uh, it might be time to wheel out, is this really what we want college football oh, no. to be? Yeah. He may be coming with that. May have a yeah. <laughs> that one for us. He's he's pretty good at at, at kind of knowing which way the wind is blowing, right? In in college yeah. football, and and so I, I expect him to ultimately say uh, we want what's best for the players. You know, that's kind of his ultimate goal. Well, especially especially when he's got Henry Toa Toa in the damn pipeline already. You know, <laughs> right. after yeah. some deep thoughts, I've come around to the removal of the interconference rule. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's come around, guys. Come around, he'll say. So, at any rate, yeah. that'll uh, that'll be fun to watch unfold, no doubt about it. That is going to do it 
for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us next week when we recap the annual A-Day game over at Bryant-Denny Stadium. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next week right here on Talking Tide.